0: Jesus, we thank you so much. I thank you for for Pastor Joe and just his willingness to serve, and and to teach and to bring the word of God. I pray that you would prepare um, him even further than he's already prepared. That you would prepare, prepare our hearts and minds um, to hear the word of God, and that through the teaching and through the worship this morning, that your gospel would just become more alive to us, and and the call of of your Son that came and he gave his life and. Uh, Would just become more realized, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. I this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Noah. Good morning. My name again is Joe Valentino, and it is truly a, a privilege and a pleasure to be with you to all. Pastor West sends his greeting. He is uh, He'll be back next week. Um, for those of you who are a part of the Hilltop Lutheran folks, he is not in Canada, and so you will know what that means. Um, but he is anxious to be back with, with us and to be here. But it truly has been an honor to be with you these last couple weeks. And if you didn't make it last week, welcome. We're glad you're here this week. You are becoming more and more, most of you are becoming more and more Lutheran because you keep sitting further and further back. <laughs> and uh, that's a sure tail sign that uh, we need to break some of that habit as we go forward. Happy New Year. So how many of you have already broken a New Year's resolution? I see one, I see two, three, raise that hand, come on, be bold. All right, a couple of you. Some of you are here today because of a New Year's resolution. I'm glad you're here, well done. It's interesting that we have this pattern where we find these times throughout the year and the first of the year is one of those I also, during Lent, find another one of those times. Summertime, another one of those times to restart, start over. First um, September, start of the new year, school year, start over. And so we have these cycles that we live in. The Bible has got all kinds of cycles in it. And as we look at this prophecy that we're going to look at today, there are cycles that we see where... God literally deals with this prophecy that it's going to come true within a pretty short amount of time in, in uh, the time frame of Isaiah, but then it comes true again literally hundreds of years later, and then some of it has will come true again at the end of time. And we'll actually look at some of the end of time stuff that Isaiah talks about in his prophecy that we're going to look at today. So it's kind of an exciting thing. We'll continue on our journey through Isaiah. Um, We will deal with that, that rhythm that Isaiah has of calling for repentance and then dealing with people who don't repent through judgment and then God's forgiveness and bringing them back. God loves us so much that he even uses judgment to call us home, to build that relationship with us. My prayer today is that we become more connected to each other, more connected to Jesus, and that as we hear God's word, that it draws us to God himself. I so appreciate Seth's words today as far as even in that song of that it's not... We can't earn forgiveness. God's the one who gives it to us. And yet we have this being living in condemnation is a part of our culture. And it's a part of kind of who we are. I'm going to encourage you to, if you've got your scriptures on your phone, to go ahead and take it out and use your scripture. Um, If you've got a Bible in front of you, um, what I'm doing is actually turning on my timer so that I can have a good idea of how long I'm keeping your attention. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, for what you have for us in your word. Father, don't let us miss it. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins, and you know that I need it, that I may stand before these people as a forgiven man, cleansed because of you, because of your blood, and that you might use me not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of what you've done. I pray, Father, that you would take my words and that you would use them in our lives. And, Father, if there's something that comes out of my mouth that isn't of you, that you would literally snatch it out of the air, change it so that we might hear you today. Fill this room, Father, with your spirit, that we might leave here changed because we've encountered you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're in Isaiah chapter 10. We're going to start with verse 20. We're going to go clear through the end of Isaiah 11. Ready? Here we go. The remnant of Israel will return. And so as we look at that word remnant, that's an interesting word. It's not a word that we use a lot. We use it for carpet. There's a carpet remnant, there's a remnant of cloth, and it's just leftover, stuff that is sometimes discarded. But in the Bible, remnant is a very, very important word. And we'll see that throughout the Old Testament prophets and the book of Revelations. The idea of being a remnant, part of God's chosen people that he wants to bring back, to gather up, to not discard, but to use going forward, we can be a part of that remnant that God is calling as his own. So I'll look at verse 20 now, and if you've got it before, you can follow me. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, but will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth, A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. For though your people, Israel, be like the sands of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Destruction is decreed, overflowing with righteousness. That's an interesting phrase. Destruction is decreed, overflowing with righteousness. So even though God has allowed destruction to happen, there's a purpose behind it, to be right with God. Righteousness, overflowing with righteousness. You'll notice that Isaiah refers to remnant four times in that short little splurt. Four times he calls us the remnant calls his people, God's people, the remnant. And it's interesting, we talked about this last week, where we watch Isaiah's prophecy, and we see over and over, there is there's a near-term and a far-term fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecies. So the things that are going to happen near-term, where the people of Israel, the, the people of Judah, are going to literally come back to their land. But the long-term both the idea that the people of Israel will come back, but even more importantly, that those of us who are, are the kingdom of God will come back and be a part of what God is doing. So see if you can catch some of those far-term and near-term times where Isaiah's prophecy comes true. Isaiah sees the, sees Assyria invade the northern kingdom of Israel. The ten tribes have been invaded and taken away. And yet there is news from Isaiah that the people of Judah don't have to be afraid that they will be spared if they would repent. And Assyria will attack Jerusalem, but they will not be successful for God himself will protect Judah and eventually he will destroy the Assyrians. The near-term fulfillment actually happens. You can see it, read it through history, it's there. He protects Jerusalem. He protects Judea. But they don't repent. And so, 70 years later, Babylon comes in and takes them over. And again, the people of Israel are scattered. But then they are called back. And if you, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible is the book of Nehemiah. And we read in Nehemiah where the exiles come back and they rebuild the temple and they rebuild the walls and they rebuild Jerusalem. And literally, Israel is rebuilt. The 12 tribes come back together again over that time frame. Don't be afraid. Verse 23 For the Lord God of hosts will make a full end as decreed in the midst of all the earth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrians when they strike you with the rod and lift up their staff against you as the Egyptians did. For in the... For in a very little while while my fury will come to an end and my anger will be directed in their direction. If you were here last week, we went into some detail that God was literally going to turn his anger from the people of Israel to the Assyrians and he was going to wipe them out, wipe out the king of Assyria. Again, Isaiah predicts that this is going to happen and that we will see that God's fury will be turned away from the people, his people, to this attacking force. It's easy to understand why they were afraid of the Assyrians. Their favorite pursuit was war and hurting people. They burned cities as well as children. They beheaded people and they chopped off their hands. If, if you are paying attention at all to the news... You hear of some of these same atrocities that are happening today in the same region. It's hard not to connect what's happening. Are we seeing God's hand again? Are we seeing God allow some things to happen so that He's calling His people back? Isaiah is telling them, don't be afraid the Assyrian, don't be afraid of the Assyrians anymore. Just like you're no longer afraid of the Egyptians and once the Egyptians held you captive and you don't have to be afraid of them anymore, what will happen next? Don't be intimidated by them. I am your God. He talks about the yoke of bondage being broken, verse 27. And in that day, his burden will depart from your shoulder, his burden being the Assyrian burden, and the yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be broken because of the fat. A yoke is one of the oldest forms of harness. We often see it in agricultural use, where they would yoke together two or more animals and then attach it to a plow or to a cart so they can use the strength of the animals to do whatever they needed to do. The Assyrians were a yoke on the neck of the shoulders of Israel, and God was going to deliver them from the power of the Assyrians. Break the yoke. It's an interesting phrase. And the yoke will be be broken because of the fat. So, I did some work and trying to figure out maybe that's my new year's resolution. I'm going to get fat. No, that wasn't it at all. But the idea of the oil, the the fat, the sense of anointing oil, that God would anoint his people. And because of God's power, because of God's anointing, because of the anointing of the Spirit, the yoke would be broken. So let me bring it home to you and I. What yokes have we put on ourselves? Where are you and I in bondage to each other, to something else, to something that has us literally hooked into that we're struggling with? What kind of yoke are you carrying around that you've allowed to take control of you? Jealousy, fear, Bitterness, hurt, depression, pride, envy, unforgiveness, lust, alcohol, drugs, sex. What are the yokes that have got you that you need the Holy Spirit, that you need God to break so that you could be free? You can't free yourself, you can try. And you may have success for a little while. Some of you have already broken your New Year's resolution. I'll give you a couple weeks. Not much longer. You can try yourself. But if you truly want to be free, if you truly want to, be, to break that yoke of bondage that is on you, the only way I know to do that that will last is to literally put yourself in bondage to something else, to someone else. Let me read Matthew 18, 29 and 30 to you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lovely at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me do an experiment. I want you to not think of Christmas. Don't even think about it. Take it out of your mind. Don't think about it at all. Can you do that? Okay, now I want you to think about Easter. Now, isn't it much easier not to think about Christmas when I replaced it with something else? As soon as I replaced it, gave you something else to focus on, you didn't have to think about Christmas anymore. When we try to break our own burdens, to get out from underneath some of these yokes that we put ourselves into, it becomes obsessive. I have struggled with food my entire life. I love food. I love to cook. I love to eat. I love the smell of food. I love the taste of food. I love everything about food. If there's not food in heaven, I'm leaving. (laughs) And so when I go on a diet, the thing I struggle with the most is I keep thinking about food. But when I can take my focus off of food and put it onto something else, when I can focus on what God has for me instead, it becomes much easier to come out from underneath that bondage. What are you focused on? What's got you today that you need to break that bondage and allow Jesus to be the one who you focus on? Take on that yoke. Hook yourself to Jesus and allow Him to carry you, allow Him to walk with you, allow Him to change your focus. And we turn the page and we go into Isaiah 11. The righteous reign of the branch from the stump of Jesse. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So who's Jesse? He was David's father. And out of the stump of Jesse, out of the line of Jesse, would come the king of kings. When the two, when Israel broke apart and the ten tribes went one way and the two tribes went another way, there was great fear that this prophecy would never happen. Could the line of David continue forward? And then when they were captured and scattered could this actually happen? And then, as we read through the genealogy of Jesus, we find that not only through Mary, but even his stepfather Joseph are in the line of David. A shoot from the stump of Jesse. The king of kings would come from the line of David. The spirit of God would be upon him. And then starting with verse 6. I want you to listen to this as I read this with an eye towards the garden of Eden. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. And they shall not be hurt or destroyed in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's no more fear. This prophecy not only talks about what will happen as we look back as they all come back together, that there's no more fear. But I believe as we look forward to what, when Jesus comes back, that there'll be no more fear. And we return to a time when God created it all and it was very good. When there was not predator or prey any longer. When there was no death or destruction. But that time is coming again. And the offspring of Jesse will be the king of kings. Jesus will come back and there'll be no more fear. He will sit on the throne of David as king. Snakes will no longer be something to be afraid of, but a plaything for children. They will be true peace and joy. And the little child will lead them. And the Lord extends his hand yet a second time. Again, if you were here last week, we talked about that repeated phrase over and over again of the Lord extending his hand of mercy. Verse 10, in that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people. Once again, we see that word remnant again as the Lord gathers his people to him. Near term, long term. That day was coming for the people of Israel as both Babylon and Assyria would fall and those people would come back. To their promised land. Long term, Jesus is coming back and he will gather his people again. There's a second, almost a second Exodus that we see here. It parallels Isaiah, what Isaiah describes of how these people will come back. If you've ever looked at the story of Exodus as the people left Egypt to find the promised land in the first time. There were great miracles that happened that caused Pharaoh to let the people go. All the different plagues. And then the parting of the Red Sea. There were miracles that happened as these people, as Babylon fell, as Assyria fell, and people came home. There will be miracles that will happen again As our Lord Jesus comes a second time to set us free, to set this world free. The remnant will include both Israel and Judah. The passage talks often about Ephraim. Ephraim is those ten tribes that made up Israel. So Israel and Judah would come back together. But it doesn't stop there. It talks about all nations. That includes you and I. That includes Gentiles like us. That we will be a part of the remnant that God brings back together at the end. So what does it mean for us to be a remnant? What does a remnant look like? I think there's a couple things that we need to pay attention to. Those who will be proven faithful even in the midst of difficulty. If you think about the remnant of Israel that came back to the promised land after the fall of Babylon and the fall of Syria. These were men and women who held up, held together, kept their focus on God. Even in the midst of difficulty. Even in the midst of torment and tribulation. They remained righteous. They remained followers of God. If we are to be a part of the remnant, no matter what happens, will we remain righteous, right with God? Will we remain connected to Jesus? That's what makes us a part of the remnant is who we're connected to. It depends upon God's grace. These folks didn't do anything to deserve to come back to the promised land. They were held captive. There was nothing that they could do. No power. They were reliant upon their captors. But yet God's hand brought down Babylon. God's hand brought down Syria. And so it was God's mercy that allowed them to come back, the remnant to come home. And it will be God's mercy that brings us home on those last days. Folks, you can't be good enough to earn God's love. But the good news is that you can't be bad enough to turn God's love away. It's God's grace. So if we are to be a part of the remnant, we need to learn to live in that grace. It's up to him. And only a small portion of those who claim to be followers will actually be part of the remnant. It says that although the Israelites were as many as the sand of the seashore, only a small part, a small portion would be the remnant. We love lip service. We love to talk about lots and lots of things. Lip service will not allow you to be a part of the remnant. It's it's not what you know. It's who you know. You've heard that most of your life, I would bet. And that applies today as well. It's who you know. Do you know our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know the God who created it all by speaking things into existence? Do you know the God that literally brought nations to their knees to set his people free? And the God that will draw you to himself and allow you to become a part of what he's doing in this world. Faith in Jesus is the only thing I know That moves us to a place where we are part of the remnant. I'm drawn to the place where, as Jesus sits with his disciples, and I think it's Thomas that asks, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Can you show us the way? How do we get to the Father? How do we get to heaven where you're going? And most of you know what Jesus' response was I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. That's how we become part of the remnant. That's how we become a part of what God is doing in this world. That's how we become a part of what he's doing in this church and in this neighborhood. By coming to know who Jesus is. By bowing our knee to that branch the stump of Jesse. And the last thing I want you to see is that as part of the remnant, we have responsibility. We have a task. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's called the Great Commission. It's our assignment. The last thing Jesus told his disciples as he was preparing to leave, go and make disciples. Are you in a discipleship relationship? Do you have somebody that you can look to that is discipling you, that is a mentor, that is helping you on this walk, that you become a part of the remnant? Are you willing to take somebody on, to teach them what you know, to help them walk their walk with Jesus, to point the way to what God is doing in your life and to share that with somebody else? That's your calling If you're going to make a New Year's resolution, that's what I want you to make. I want you to fall in love with God so much this year that you can't help but tell somebody about him. I want you to fall in love with people that you care so much about people that you have to tell them about Jesus. If you make that resolution, if you make that goal together, we can stand, and not only will all your life and my life change, this church will change. This neighborhood will change. This city will change. We may not see it tomorrow or the next day or the next, but if we are serious about loving God with everything in us and loving our neighbor as ourselves, loving people so much that we've got to connect with them about Jesus. We'll see God work in ways that we have yet to even imagine. So I would ask you to join me. Join the elders. Join Pastor Wes. Join the leadership of this church. As we strive to love God with everything in us. And as we give ourselves to love people so much that we want to connect them to the Lord of the universe. Pray with me. Father God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you even discipline us that we might know you better. And so, Father, I pray for for us gathered here and I pray for this church that we truly would fall in love with you. So much so that we can't help but talk about you and tell people about you. And Father, help us to love people. Our world tells us that we need to love ourselves more.